Welcome to EGTE. This is the Electrician's Guide to Everything podcast. Recognize the name? Well, you should. Big shout outs to Ricky and Sam, original EGTE hosts who live 80 hours in the future over there in England. Thanks, fellas. You can find them on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and even on YouTube at EGTE. And find us at EGTE USA. My name is Robin, and I'm not just an electrician. I'm a real top flight electrician who remembers that I'm supposed to return what I borrow in better condition than when I receive it. My journeyman taught me that back when journeyman actually taught, sometimes by force if needed. Made me a quick learner and now I'm all grown up. Now I understand that knowledge is the power and through knowledge we together as a whole will become better, stronger, richer and have more fun while we're on this journey. Now I have my own ideas about how to change things up, how to fix things, why we must legalize fighting on the job site and treat it just like the NHL treats fighting on a hockey rink. Five minutes in the penalty box, then take your lessons learned and go back to your team, no charges filed. That's step one. But before we get into that, I wanna welcome to the show a good buddy of mine, Jake Sotomayor. Sir, like me, you spent time in Afghanistan, you've been around the game a little bit. Tell me, brother, how is it? In the Marine Corps? Because in the military, you only, as as an electrician, I was a ground support equipment electrician. I worked on specific uh, models of equipment, right? So I repaired them. I didn't, I didn't uh, set up houses, you know, I didn't rope houses. I don't know, cut in and shit like that. I don't bend conduit, but um, I can't troubleshoot why a rectifier's not making a system work, you know, like, and I can't read diagrams and, and do gnarly shit. And um, so working in a plant environment at the brewery was the first time that I could see like how the mechanical and the electrical that I knew could apply to an industry. Right. And I was like, yeah, dude, if it's got a bolt or a volt, like I can fuck with it. Like, and from then it was just like, okay, cool. And uh, that's where I loved being a maintenance guy, but I interviewed, I took a a class for PLC programming and it was in uh, Alan Bradley RS Logics 500, which is an older uh, ladder logic programming, but still like the building blocks that people want people to understand, right? 
And that got me an interview at a company up in Santa Rosa that was going to pay me nine bucks more an hour. And uh, my girlfriend's down here. My girlfriend has a daughter and she's like, well, I can't move. And I was like, well, I'm not going to leave. So let's see if I can bargain for more money in the current position. And let me see. At that time, the brewery didn't have anybody doing um, automation. So it was like, let me see if they'll let me take this on. Yeah. Better for them in house. And they didn't they didn't want to. They're like, we do have an opening for a packaging supervisor and that'll pay you more money. So I was like, <laughs> fuck it. I need the more money right now. Yeah. So that was that switch that I was talking about, about going from being a tech to being in a management role. And then I went, um, I got fed up there, dude. Like I was on night crew as a maintenance tech for a year and like nine months or something. I went crazy, dude. I think I was like vitamin D de- deficient from not seeing the sun. And it was like whack because, you know, they sleep scientists say you got to have consecutive sleep schedule, right? In order to be successful. And uh, that's that, well, that's a lie. It, it, people can be modified, <laughs> but I think like as a basis for human, yeah, you need to be programmed. Like uh, routine definitely helps optimize performance. Yeah. Yes. And so what it would have been dope if I stayed on night crew schedule all seven days of the week, but like on the weekend, I would want to chill with my girlfriend. So oh, I sleep, you know, like Friday night, I would get off work. Oh yeah. It's Saturday morning. I would sleep until like, you know, I get off work at five 30, go to bed, like come home, slam three beers so that I can pass out by six yep. 30. And wake up at noon and hang out. <laughs> then have hangout time, right? And then it's really weird because uh, Monday you wake up at normal time and then you have to get like day drunk and go yeah. to sleep at like two o'clock in order to wake up at eight and go to work at nine and yep. start the whole thing over again. It's like being I know that schedule. It's like being a nurse, right? Like nurses have fucked up schedules and it's like being a nurse for a plant. Well, they did. They're doing a lot of Home Depot remodels. So about two years ago, Hmm. I started, I did the first one in Los Angeles to start like uh, the company's called National, uh, National Electric Contractor. That's just the shell name you know but they do they they got a contract for like five thousand of these home depots and they started with six of them in los angeles and are still going you know to this so uh, when it comes to that is is the business structure like people with money that have like one guy who gets a c10 who passes a test and then they just hire so a journeyman to run a bunch of apprentices and hope it gets done according well, to their bean counting? Not at, at, at the level of these, when they're these franchises like that, they they have the system down pretty pretty well. So they Thank basically, they, they, but, but it only works financially you know, the financial model exists 
and and it's successful. But having worked on these, like on and off, wherever I, I travel for work, so when it comes to town, wherever town I'm in, the, the company I work for is Electrical Talent, who who's a sub kind of of, uh, of national electrical contractors, who's really, they probably have 50 employees total, which are probably mostly management, maybe however many 10 foremen and superintendents, whatever. So whatever state they're in, whatever area, they use electrical talent who's kind of an agency that just staffs them with, with people. And they use a variety of other agencies. I don't really, I don't like it any too many agencies because of they're just, they, they're terrible for the electrical industry and they're terrible for the the long-term growth of a uh, worker and and especially electrician but electrical talent it they don't false advertise they don't pretend they're something they're not like uh you know tradesman international and solid and and uh outsource the worst or the worst like they they tell you exactly what it is you know you work for us for it's a trial period for the company and they try to hire hire you you know directly on there's no <clears throat> set limit they can hire you on tomorrow you know there's no buyout fee there's there's no like they don't buy and sell sell you they don't own you at any time you could work for they could hire you directly so i i like electrical talent i've sent actually a lot of people to them that i've got on with national electrical um, but those that night schedule that's all you know when home depot closes they take about two weeks so every now and then i'll do a double double shift and i'll do my regular job and hit that night from about 9 p.m to 5 a.m and like you said i get back at six and i'm slamming a couple beers you know hitting the wax pan and then my girlfriend's like come the fuck to bed you know yeah. Yeah, because I gotta wake up <laughs> three hours. <laughs> nine to five, the shitty nine to five. Yeah, that's that. Oh, that's a horrible shift, man. And then to to go in and out of it is is too much, you know. That's why I I only did it in about two week shifts, and then that was it. You know, that's every every now and then. But. That's that's pretty much exactly the reason I I came back down here to Bakersfield, you know, with my girlfriend and you know she had her mom her mom's health, so she, she doesn't want to leave. It's it's a it's a tough market out here for for the stuff that I do because it's it's pretty much all PLC industrial controls. Not I wouldn't say as much automation as as yeah but you have a lot of uh process control go going on with all the oil and gas industry yeah yes. yeah yeah because like, i know um are you familiar i mean i know there are millions of companies in bakersfield but uh, a company called ksi do automation no. they, they came like out of the field to do 
automation at that was new construction at the brewery when I was there. Yeah, that it sounds familiar, but big, still, it feels still so fucking big nowadays, dude. There's so many contractors there. The, yeah. the other thing <laughs> that I see populating the the valley a lot um, are very small solar plants. So, like over near McKittrick, um, so the company that I work for, we make the the solar generators that um you know have onboard batteries and inverters in them and the the intent is to replace uh diesel generators on job sites and stuff Uh, we can do bigger stuff but it's really hard to get customers to understand what a battery means in a solar generator platform and like get them to really engage um especially when they're a, a customer who has their own timetable to, to meet, you know? So like yeah. we get customers who buy own and then use and they get really engaged. Right. But we also have a new lease side of things where it's like, no man, we just want the thing to work all the time, no matter how we romp it. And yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's gnarly. But yeah, I see tons of little like uh, you know five megawatt DC solar plants going in all around the li- these little plants. Like ones being made for wonder farms and stuff. Yeah. Um, well, not only farms. Like it's just undesirable farming land that a farmer owns that gets sold uh, to a developer who will build a plant on it. It's got to be the big enough square footage in an area that gets enough sun hours, which, you know, Bakersfield, that area is just perfect for it, except for when you get that Thule fog. But you just build that into the cost modeling, right? That's how the PV people look at it, I think. But, but, so then, so then, so then, you have something to back it up. The, the C that, well, the thing that I see in, in that is like twofold. It uh, exposes the industry to renewables, which is a, I think is a good thing. Shows where uh, skill set can be used and maintained. But the one thing that I hate about it is how much um, I hate the the labor ratio of construction in any trade to maintenance right that's one thing that really sucks is like you get a bunch of people stoked on a potential for a job and you talk about how new jobs are going to be created but those new jobs are going to be created for the duration of the project yeah projects like it doesn't matter what project we're talking we're talking a housing track we're talking about a big plant being built whatever it is a stadium scope right and so it's like the the construction phase needs a lot of bodies why don't we try to like like way super macro level thing right try to increase the proficiency of of every industry like every trade tries to like take it in your heart to really try to be the best that way construction can be done with as few people as possible 
That way maintenance can be done with a closer ratio and yeah. pays can be the same, man. If yes, pays yes. can be the same like that, like, because the way I see it, it gets super hyperinflated, right? And you get guys like, I'm not saying the work isn't hard, but laborers on profit jobs, you know, <laughs> where it's like you're milking it. And it's like, dude, there's going to be a maintenance guy who comes behind you that the company that owns this shit is going to try to pay 16 to 18 bucks an hour to maintain maintain all this shit like uh well that highlights really a, a bigger problem which is in the inflation of the construction workers at low skill levels is is directly in my opinion pretty much caused by by the certificate programs that are ran by the government you know, okay, they're ran so by, by, by they're, everyone, they're getting a kickback. The unions are, are creating these levels like a construction electrician, a residential electrician, a, uh, now t you take a 10 week program and you can get a certification in pretty much anything you want. And, you know, so people are, are, and they're creating the legislation to say you have to hire this many people that are certified by the state and they're selling the certifications. So they're building up those those numbers in construction because they're creating those those levels. So they're really I mean to blame for for enabling the system to be broken. It wasn't broken by them, but they created the atmosphere to where it could be broken and taken advantage of and and so of course business is going to exploit it and and that's what needs to change and primarily what you said about loving what you do and actually being invested personally and and you know putting your name on it that's what it, it was when i started and that's why i'm still in it because that's what how I feel about it. It's, it's my okay, hobby, so you know, it's my career, all that. Yeah. There's a funny thing, right? Like we, we say like, oh man, like, you know, the new workers aren't what they used to be. Right. That, that same shit's been said forever. Right. It was told and to me. It, it, what's gnarly is I was listening to a, a podcast this morning. It was talking about how in, the uh early 1800s that's what people were talking about also how people weren't rugged like they were in the 1800s right yep. and so inflated wages comes from certificate programs like you're talking about it also comes from you know the lack of the available labor right so you need the the projects are there they need to get done you need the bodies. You're not getting the bodies. You inf you raise the wage until you start getting the bodies. Supply and demand. You're not getting the bodies because the society as a whole is is freaking weak, man. It's, like the it's, bar is so it's, low. It's everybody's stuck to this, People, yep. dude. Like you can't find you cannot find high school males that are graduating 
that can physically pull wire, man. They will no. get tired. They will get yeah. tired. Ready for a fucking fucked up story? Got this yeah. kid. He's like 21 years old. Uh, totally got the, uh, like, you know, young Hispanic machismo going on. He's five foot six, good looking kid. He's all strutting around pretty all the time. We sent him one day when it was apple season to go and work with our boss's dad, who's 70 years old, and pick some apples because he's got a bunch of apples that needed to be harvested. And so he was supposed to go out there for half the day and work with our boss's dad and pick up apples and then come back and finish the day out in the shop. After he finishes his half day and they break for lunch, he messages his supervisor at the shop and says, I have to go home and ice my balls. Oh. They really hurt from picking all these apples. So he goes home and ices his shoulders. The 70-year-old man finishes his lunch and goes and picks apples for another five hours because the kid left instead of for another hour and being done. And then, uh, yeah, the kid shows up at work tomorrow at 7 o'clock in the morning. Old man woke up at 5 and went to the gym. And it's just like that, when that is, and that's like, sad to say, that's like one of our better employees are better uh, yeah. you know? uh, they have to be trained and they have to be our, our hiring practices are not the best they're not the best in the industry like our our company sucks dude we're a bootstrap little mom and pop but it's still like when when that is what is coming out of high schools yeah. uh, and you're gonna have to pay those kids who actually will work some some dough to get them started and it sucks man it sucks but that's that's the, it'll the, never be seen part. though it'll it'll never be seen like that because all that will be seen is the bean counters co counting the increase in the the rate for the job yep well well, that's if we continue to allow them to control every aspect and just keep chalking it up as a loss in and finding a way to adjust to the lack of skilled labor. And the only way we can fix the lack of skilled labor, they don't give a fuck because they're going to keep, like you said, adjusting other shit to make up for it, prefabbing more shit, you know, and not hiring enough maintenance. Okay, so... It's really up to us in the trade. If we're going to say they're not good enough like they used to be, like I do publicly and I do on, on my job sites and every one of my students, like you said, they charge $5 more an hour than other students in the same, in the same school. You know, the same, same time in the trade. My one-year, two-year guys now, they're already... They're already, they're all working together in little squadrons in different companies. They're, mm -hmm. they're, they're united. They're helping each other. They're promote, help, helping others and not accepting the lesser right. anymore. You know, it, it, it's up to us to kind of police our own trade now and, and rewrite what the businesses have allowed to happen and it's not the businesses taking advantage because that's market. That's the market, supply and demand. So exactly. you have to increase the supply once the demand is that high. But the problem is they're not exactly doing that. They're 
what the union does is they they don't exactly flood the market with all their all their guys when the market demands it. They ration them to keep the the wages and the the the. It's all down to the metrics, man. They they perfected yeah. the size. So when it comes to uh, unions, like I've never worked in a situation where it was part of a union. Uh, the closest thing would have been the military, but it's way more controlling than, than a union. Yeah. The union would totally be the military if they could, but they don't. They yeah, they're not that strong. But they do have a lot of a lot of a lot of union guys do. Uh, I worked with a lot of union guys in Afghanistan, actually. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a, that. It's a it's a strange dynamic to me. Like where I grew up, like this part of California over here, it's small over here. Like the only unions that are around are like if you're a lineman, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, what's like, the what's the utility? Uh, PG&E. Yeah, PG&E. And um, I guess like if you're if you work for the gas company, you're probably a pipe fitter. You know, I would think maybe Costco has a union out here. Everything's unionized. Uh, yeah, I didn't think about Costco. Well, Costco wasn't here like when I grew up, so I never remember that one. But yeah, dude, I've never worked in a union. I've always worked for uh, private business. Yeah. Well, one one was a publicly traded company. Like uh, when I got out of the Marines, I drove an armored truck. Oh, sick. No, it wasn't sick. It sounded. No. <laughs> I thought it was gonna be dope, right? Not really. So I I when I got out, I wasn't able to conceptualize what the Marine Corps had taught me. Um, I thought I had to be an, a generator mechanic, right? Yeah. And so I applied for, I, I didn't see, think there would be work here because it's a small part of California. My best friend from high school had moved to Arizona in Phoenix. So I moved out there and like before I actually got out, I was still on vacation and I had an interview at Cummins and I thought I had the job for sure. And then there was like an internal hire, I guess. And the guy's like, dude, like I would love to give you this job, but the guy in the parts room wants a job. And so they and, and I don't know if that's true or not, or if that's a story or whatever, but I didn't get that job. So I was like, fuck, I need work. Sweet. I know how to carry a gun. They hire veterans. And like, I just got out. This will be my first job. And yeah, dude, it was, uh, it was totally, um, something that you can perfect like as fast as you can get good at any uh game that you download on your phone like that's about as simple as it is and it was just so boring and you're not gonna get any money and it's way too dangerous for how little they pay oh hell yeah dude you walk in and out of out of buildings right and people think you have a shitload of money you could have fucking (laughs) nickels and get shot because oh, they think you got money, dude. Like, no, dude, that's that's fucked up. For for so, so, so what, an hour. what led what led you to the contract con, federal contracting side? Hmm. What took uh, you there? Question. So, um, yeah, it was. Uh, I was just doing what was easy, right? I worked at Brinks, and then. That was in Phoenix. I woke up one morning going in to work super early. And uh, it was like 102 at 2.30 in the morning. And I was like, humans don't need oh, to be here. God. 
So I put in for a transfer. I found out that there was a, a branch in San Luis Obispo. And so I was like, sweet, I can go home and uh, work at this branch if they have a spot. And they had a part-time spot, so I had to go to school part-time. So I was going to school part-time and working part-time. And then I was like, okay, I got to go to school full-time in order to get the money from the GI Bill. That's the only way I was able to subsidize my income because it's so fucking expensive over here. And uh, they pay for the trip. I wasn't yeah, making any too. money, and school was lame. I do not have the attention span for sixteen-week uh, semesters in a, a community college. Like it's what just yeah. too slow. Like, give me the shit. Let's do this. Let's be here for eighteen hours and learn some shit. Let's yeah. do it over and Get over and over again. Let's do this. And like, no, dude, I suck at community college. But uh, yeah, I wasn't making any money, and I was like, let's see what jobs are out there. Afghanistan war was at its full peak in 2011. Yeah. You know, the, it was going up again, following oh, yeah. the surge. And so uh, I, was, I found I a guy on LinkedIn who was a PowerGen um, AO manager, and I shot him a message. I was like, Hey, I know how to work on these five generators from the Marine Corps. Send me out here, dude. Like, let me do some shit. And he brought me yeah. out and he gave me a year and it was, was dope. And then the drawdown happened and nope. they closed my cop. And who, I left. Who was that with? Uh, KBR? Fleur. Oh, Fleur. Oh, yes. They took that. that they had taken over by then. Yep. They, was that no? Uh, what, what? Basis. So I was at Jaff. So Jaff, I've been at Jaff when it's 102 at at uh at 2:30 in the morning. Oh yeah, dude, Jaff, like Jaff's dope, dude. You're walking. Well, I hit, hit there. Well, I walking think we hit 125 <laughs> at, at, at freaking 6:30 in the morning, and you're like, yeah, dope. It's 97. I like this. I, I think I had. I was there. I have a picture of a thermometer. It was about 128. And I'm just like, by then you don't even, you don't know what, how hot it is. You don't care. It's just, it's just hot and it's bright. And no, you dude, everything to... after a hundred and fucking every, everything after 110 is just hot. It's well, just hot. I'm dude. white. So everything after about 85 is a suburb. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I got so it. Yeah. See, I'm, I, I'm blessed with the, the, the half Mexican side. I've got a heat tolerance like a motherfucker. But, dude, over there, no, it's horrible. And talk about showing up to a generator that just shut down because it's hot. Yeah, and the I've only seen thing it. <laughs> that you can do is pressure wash the fucking goddamn <laughs> intercooler to cool yeah. it down. Spray water so on it. Start working on it. Oh, sweet. Let me walk into this small enclosed box and apply water to a hot surface and turn this into a sauna in Afghanistan in August when uh -huh. it's 120 in the ambient air with 99% humidity. Now I'm going to crank it up. Yeah. Oh, fuck that, dude. That, but it was dope. At the same time, I loved it. You know why? Because those people needed that power to be on. Yeah. Yeah, they I did. I felt nothing better than turning on that breaker. I don't give a fuck if it was on the biggest fob in the world. Like, you know, the military guys in between themselves are going to be like, you know, fuck those fobbits, bitches. 
and they got fucking goddamn electricity and fucking. Hey, yeah. I, I was on some small ass bases, and we I I powered them up. I powered Corngall up, and and trust me, they they love the power just the same as Jaff and and even Bagram. Bagram's fucking huge, Kandahar. I mean, they all need it. They all need the power. Did and you ever go to Monty? From? Yep, I was at Monty for a month. That was my cop. That's I where I did, that's where I did my year. I, I was at Monty I in March or April of 2010. I was there for about a month. And then I went I Wait, went from, were you there when when Dakota Meyer was there? When it was like just a couple of Marines? No, there was it was pretty, pretty good. There was about f- four of us from Florida. There's one power gen, one, one, uh, one, like old white dude that was racist as a motherfucker. He was the, the like lead of the base. He was like the number one guy. And then there was. Site manager? Yeah, site manager. He was site one. He was, and then yeah. there was like a tradesman each and and some some guys from the Balkans. And that was it. And I was only there because in transit, filling in for someone that went on vacation. So, because after I was, I was at Jaff for, a, I did a year there. And was then Jaff your main, main place? Yeah. My was, first, you, my you first year. Pop and cover R and R and shit out of there or what? Oh, no, I only hit Monty because I was, I was at Blessing and they couldn't, they couldn't. It was just easier to get me there than than from Jeff at the time. So I did. It was supposed to be three weeks, but you know how that shit never. Is. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. not three weeks. So it was like about a, a four to five weeks. Um, and I just did routes. I got I got pretty bored of that. I pretty much kicked it in a container, you know, smoking hash the majority of the time, uh, you know, because there wasn't really much for me to do, you know, over there. I liked I liked Jeff because I did a lot of projects there. I did all all those brick and mortar buildings, you know, those three. Bam. Yeah. I did uh, the okay behind. On the other side of that little stream of where all the bee huts are, there's there's like yep. these big pop up fucking. Yeah. Uh, I I got video from when it, I broke the ground and dug the trenches and put the pipe in, you know, and 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 erected that that uh, electrical system with the transformers and everything. No uh, shit, that's dope, dude. So um, when you were at Jaff, um. Was the the trash pit still big way back in that corner? It was the burn. That was before I was there before they even got incinerators, and then uh-huh. and then they burned all types of shit. It was still. I think they had lessened it, but yeah, it was it was still still bur- still burning for sure. Yeah, dude. Like, uh, well, Monty, like it was just a burn pit, right? Oh, like, they all got it. 
yeah. It's like savage, man. Like, and what was gnarly being on the frontier like that was like, you would get the, uh, I can't remember the acronym, but there were inspectors, right? And they were always like people from the military who were reservists who would come, oh, DCMA. You remember yeah, them? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, so DCMA inspectors would always crack me up because there's one like environmental one that would come out and we would talk about like the hazwap for waste oil on Monty up by the front gate and uh, then like the trash pits over there. So she's like trying to heckle me about like, you know, like maybe, maybe like half a quart of oil on the top of the oil drum. Oh, no. And I was like, ma'am, I truly understand that this is outside of regulations, and I get that I'm not compliant. I totally, I'm not lying with you. Like, I get it. Like, and I'll clean it up right now. Watch. <laughs> but, like, on a macro level, like, do you understand that we're just there could be a rocket in all <laughs> that shit that they're burning from the DFAC right now? Dude, dude, I, I got pictures next to the burn pit. And there's cases and cases of blood. And and they're just like, and they're just throwing it in. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Was that the army? Yeah. Yeah. They're just throwing it in. And I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. It's warm or whatever. It's hot, whatever. But, but you're throwing it in the fire and I'm sleeping. Dude, there's some nights the smoke was so thick you know you could just like it's in the air you could taste it you could it, it's in your ears it's in everything you, showering don't matter it's it's just lingering everywhere and it's yes. just i mean hovering over the 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 i mean and it just actually there was a class action suit for that for the burn pits but uh surprisingly I mean, they found themselves not guilty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it's over there. Of course not. Yeah. No, never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you, uh, when it comes to podcasts, do you listen to uh, Joe Rogan ever? No, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't listened yet. Have you ever heard of Jocko Willink? No. All right. So, um, Joe Rogan, I, I only knew him from Fear Factor, right? So, like, when I grew up, I knew Joe Rogan as being the host of Fear Factor. And then I started seeing him on the UFC when I was, like, a yeah. teenager, right? And I was like, why the fuck is the guy from the Fear Factor hosting the UFC? Yeah. What does that fucker know? I didn't know that he was, like, a world-level... Um, taekwondo expert and has done brazilian brazilian jiu-jitsu forever he's a lot more dope than i ever thought the yeah. fear factor was he does a um uh podcast with a gentleman by the name of dakota meyer and dakota meyer is a sergeant um was a sergeant in the marines who was at monte and he is, I believe, the most recent um, Marine to receive the Medal of Honor from, um, I think it was like right before you were at Monty. There was a big mission back when it used to be just like four 
guys training the ANA as a mitt team. Um, they were going on a big show of force up this valley, um, and his team got fucked. They got ambushed, and they do a great job of it, uh, of reenacting it um, in a bit by bit, like small context. Like it's uh-huh. way more in depth than you could ever do in a in a podcast. But if you ever get a chance, to like. I was listening to it maybe like three weeks ago. He was on Joe Rogan and uh, I was just thinking about it, dude. Like even when I was there, I didn't appreciate like the money that I earned. Right. I started to take it for granted. You see everybody who's living fat and nasty and going to Thailand and banging fucking underage girls. And you're just like, dude, this is all fucked up. And, like, yeah, I'm not going to work. Like, but when it, when you're back here in a place like this where where everybody around you has, like, some job that somehow makes a shitload of fucking money to afford living here, and then you're like, dude, I'm a tradie, and there's no fucking work for us? Like, fuck, dude, I wish I could go back. I, yeah. I, I, as fucked up as it is, I wish there was a war so that we could get paid right now. There's still... There's still, I still have friends that are there. No that shit. Are, yeah, that are still there at. I couldn't, I couldn't go anyways. Like, my girlfriend. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My no. girlfriend. And I, no. I'm like, I've always been a bad boyfriend and I'm trying to be a good boyfriend. Like, this is the, like, dude, yeah. if I don't get this one right, like, I'm just giving up, right? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, no, nah, I'm not bouncing. Yeah, that's but, pretty, much, pretty much how it is with me. I mean, it's, it, and and honestly, fuck those motherfuckers, man. I was two years up in the, and it's like they don't even know me, man. They don't, they don't. I don't get any any type, any type of anything, man. I still got shrapnel on my fucking shoulder, fucking, you know. They made documentaries of dropping generators that I fucking actually was fucking bringing in, and I don't even get like a little credit or nothing, you know. Like they they. What's up with the burn pit and, and all this fucking medical problems I have? They don't give a fuck. They, it's like, it's like you We're, signed away you all your KBR? rights. I worked for Floor and KBR. I did a year for each of them. Mm-hmm. At least Floor, at least with Floor, I got to go, I got to go with a special force, special force unit for six months. So I had like a little different different level of security and a little more shit that I could had access to, you know, and, and it was a little better, but I was there for the transition of Jeff from KBR to, to floor. That was a whole awkward fucking time period that, you know. So, so in a transition like that, like, um, is it, is it site managers that are changing? Like, I would imagine that that people would be uh, who was site manager when working when for there? one company and applying working for the other company. Who was who was the site manager uh, when you got there? His name is Perry. Perry. Uh, so when I was there, when, when KBR was doing the transition, it was Brian Drennan, the black dude, and then it went to some white dude, chunky guy. 
This was an old white dude, kind of skinny. Like if Mr. Burns stood up straight and was a little bit thicker. Uh, see, that was that was that was after me. And actually, who went to? I know my the the E one the the head of the electrical shop who I still talk to. He he owns a Mr. Electric in Georgia. His name is John Hales. He was he was site manager there briefly and then got sent to. Hey, did you ever meet a power gen guy by the name of, he was from Georgia, and he had the tip of his finger bit off by a gator? Sounds familiar, man. I can't, I want to say his name was David, but like the gator like biting off it's <laughs> like the thing is gonna stick out yeah. in his mind dude like he was such a dope dude like so when i went out there um it was gnarly like growing up when you're in the marines everything's like so well documented right and you have a support structure so like anytime you got a question man you can get an answer Unless you're, like, deployed to some fucked up little teeny tiny fob and you're by yourself, which, like, to me, that never happens. I didn't, I didn't get any training yeah. in, like, straight up MacGyvering shit when you're supposed to be able to have a parts ordering system, right? There was no parts and, for us. <laughs> when I was at Monty, we had the rear main seal go out on the 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 main uh generators that are in monty that were by the the manual transfer switch those fg wilson's uh i had no fucking no tools for removing rear main seals like i had learned how to do it and i was like dude i called the ao manager i was like todd i was like man i know how I was like, I know how to do this shit if you give me some fucking gut. Like, if I have pullers, like, I just check. This this mechanic who's out here has nothing. He's got, like, some fucking linesman, lineman pliers. Yeah. He's got, like, a pair of needle nose. They're all rusty. That maybe if I find some oil, I can get to move. He's got a flat blade and a multimeter. Like, dude, this guy's got... He's an idiot. Like, he's got nothing. Mm -hmm. I was like, how do I do this? He's like, uh... I'm going to send this hillbilly out to you. And this student shows up and he's got the tip of his finger bit off by Gator. And he's like, oh yeah, Bubba, we got this. It's all good. And like, we like fucking got, uh, took a fire extinguisher that somebody had shot at <laughs> the bandsaw because it was the right diameter to like yeah. pour the new seal in, pulled the old seal out like, Dude, it was as a as like a dude working right. It's like probably the most enjoyable oh, yeah. that I ever had. It has to be. I mean, I learned. It feels good, dude. Like those those dudes out there. That's the only power that they get. They're on patrol all day, man. They want to come back. They want to be able to fucking play Xbox for two hours before they pass out. And they want to play Call of Duty before bed. <laughs> yeah, man, you know? And it's fucking... It was dope to be able to fix that. And then that's that's what I was saying. Like, And then I go back to Jaff, you know? 
And it's like some bullshit generator in some maintenance yard that somebody shouldn't be using anyways. And he's yeah. like, oh, yeah, I'm trying to turn this Connex into a meat locker so I can store this killed goat that I got. I'm like, fuck <laughs> you, man. 